Hi, my name is Eric Anderson of The Novelists, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. You'd be surprised how many people can't do that in one shot. <laughs> Not bad. Well, I was so nervous, but I made it. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, rookie. Not bad. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. Sing along with us if you know it. much for coming on the show i am uh i'm i'm a little i'm a little nervous about talking to you because i have not really done a lot of research on your band that's that's um, even better good because i'm going to leave that all up to you that's right you're going to tell us about your band you but i will tell you the story as to how i found you guys mm-hmm. uh discussing uh music with a, a friend of mine named mark and we were talking about how when a when an original band takes a cover rather than being a cover band and trying to mimic uh when an original band takes a cover song and makes it their own that really kind of sticks with you and 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 some memorable performances we were talking about that on like over a weekend or something he sent me a text with a with a link he said for instance this is exactly what i'm talking about and he sent me this band i've never heard of before called the novelists and they were covering africa from toto Oh, cool. Which, which is an awesome song, but 
with all due respect to Toto, it's a little dated. It smacks it, a little bit of the 80s. Sure. Right? <laughs> it screams 80s. <laughs> screams 80s. It oozes 80s. Yes. So I, I listened to it, and I, at the end of it, I was like, holy shit. Who are these guys? They owned that song. Thank so you. then there's there's not – you're welcome. There's not a tremendous amount of videos of you guys, but I went down the rabbit hole that night. I kind of got a little lost. I tumbled down there, and – um. And then you guys did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. full four-part harm. And I was like, who is this band? And then I fell into the originals, and I saw uh, a TED performance with three songs. Awesome. And, and, that's, and that's when I heard Joel uh, taking the lead on uh, I Don't Want to Be Like You. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, like, I, I got to talk to these guys. I love these guys already. Cool. So I emailed you the same day I heard of you, and you awesome. guys responded immediately. Like, yeah, dude, I'll come on your show. Awesome. And uh, – that's about all I know, other than the fact that you sent me your, your new album, your new double album is called Breaking the Script, mm-hmm. you sent me a copy of it. Thanks so much. I you listened bet. to it a lot. You bet. And um, I I want to introduce you to my little clan. I don't have a lot of followers, but uh, we're a pretty cool bunch. So Right on. Let's let's start, man. Who the hell are you and wh- why? why? Why do you do what you do? And, and you have the floor, Eric. It's all you. Well, so The Novelists, obviously, is a band name. A lot of what we do is they're sort of story songs or songs that set the scene for what you know, whatever it is. Um, there, there's some of the songs about, uh, um, there's a song that Joel wrote about uh, a parking date. Um, you know, it could be anything from that to, uh, I have a story about a, a sort of half fictional character who is, you know, was sort of a pen pal with somebody who was in prison. And so, so, um, it, you know, it could be anything from that to even, even something that's more almost like film score stuff, but the idea is to set the scene so that the listeners kind of, you know, immediately, uh, sort of put into that world. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so Joel and I are both lead singers in the band. We alternate pretty much every song. Um, but there's almost mm-hmm. always two, three, four part harmony. And, uh, the other guys in the band, Zach Turan, uh, amazing bassist who plays if you've checked out the stuff you'll see he plays obviously electric bass but he also plays um which sometimes he, he'll use lead lead pedals and octave pedals and all that he actually plays a lot of the leads almost like electric guitar stuff um in the band as well as he plays upright he's also a killer singer so we're so so lucky to have him in the group um he, he is bananas i could even oh, show man. you the text when mark sent me the link to check you guys out, and I watched Toto, I think I responded to Mark with like, holy shit, that bass player. Like, I was really blown away by that guy. Because he takes the really, really, really high part in that song at the end. Yeah, he does. He, yeah. Uh, I bless the rain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, bless the rain. I was like, dang. Yeah. He's like supposed to be concentrating on the bass and he's singing? Yeah, I yeah. was very impressed with that bass. Bless the rain. Yeah, no, no, no. He, he's great. He's, I mean, we're so lucky to have him, and he's also an awesome singer. And and Zach's background is in, um, uh, he has an academic background as well as a very sort of street, tried, tested, rock club, jazz club kind of guy. So, I mean, he can play okay. anything from classical music and you know read music and write orchestrations and things like that, as well as mm-hmm. you know play any kind of jazz stuff. But he can also, you know, he can also you know sit in with a metal band or. Or you know, a country band or something like that, and play it completely convincingly. <laughs> like you wouldn't know that that was like his home, his home turf, um, which is actually cool. similar a lot to our drummer Justin Kruger. You know, both of those guys have an extremely diverse 
background. And it makes it really mm -hmm. fun as musicians because whether it's cover songs that we're learning or it's original songs that we're writing, we don't feel like we're boxed into a certain skill level or, or a particular genre. I mean, obviously, it's, it's sort of in general under a very broad sort of pop genre. I mean, I say that very broadly. Sure. Um, it's, we try to write intentional lyrics um, and, and we try to stretch musically. Um, but it, within that sort of broad realm... We, we never feel like we're confined by uh, someone's ability to, to deliver the music, which is great. A lot of bands, you know, there's there's always one guy or two guys who are sort of not at the level of the rest of them, and it kind of kind of sure. holds you back. But in this band, I think we, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but um, especially with, with Zach and JK, they're so diverse that you can throw anything at them, and they're like, oh, yeah, and they, pl and they play it like it's, like I said, like it's their home, like they live there. So um, right. we're so lucky to have those guys. Um and uh, yeah, so anyway, this is a band. There's a lot of story songs, a lot of four-part harmonies. We try to write lyrics that that we stand behind, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, Joel started out. Um, he's been playing the guitar and writing songs since he was like 11, 12 years old. Um, mm -hmm. You know, same story with Zach. My first instrument was actually viola, and I got into piano because I wanted to learn how to compose and. Uh, you know, I was always sort of singing in choir and stuff like that, but I didn't really get in, involved as really a, I never thought of myself as a lead singer or a songwriter until I was probably in my upper teens and then, um, okay. and then it sort of happened from there. How did you guys, uh, how'd you meet? Well, uh, we all met in Reno. <clears throat> so I think if you go back to the beginning of, of the, you know, the four of us, Joel used to play with JK, the drummer. Uh, JK for Justin Kruger, by the way, if I say that, that's what I'm talking about. Um, like gotcha. probably okay. almost 10 years ago, they did some things together. I don't know if it was formally a band necessarily, but they, they played in various projects together. And then Joel played with Zach in different projects. And then JK played with Zach. Um, both JK and, and Zach were students at UNR and, and Joel actually moved to Reno cause he was on tour and he met a producer he wanted to work with. So this is like maybe 2000, I don't know, 2006 or something like that, probably about 10 years ago. And then I moved into okay. town in 2009 to go to UNR, and I met Joel through a mutual friend. And then he started playing with me in my own project, and Zach started playing with me, and they were already playing in, in a band together. And, um, you know, obviously the, the chemistry, uh, you know, both as friends and as musicians sort of fell together, and um, we decided to just join forces and make it one, one, one act with, a, you know, sort of a common goal. Gotcha. <clears throat> Kind of smashed two bands together. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, actually, even more than that, really. It wasn't just Joel's band and my band. It was just various projects that there were, you know, two people were in this, and, you know, somebody was in this, and then three people. Basically, Joel and Zach and I have been together doing this novelist thing since 2011. Um, okay. JK joined the three of us in 2014, but for a couple years, we had a, a girl in the band from San Francisco. It was a fantastic uh singer songwriter named Megan Slankard um mm -hmm. who's awesome you should have her on your show sometime too uh, so she was in the band for a little while there's been there's been some other members you know here and there but um this this kind of core group um has been together for two now or well actually two and a half and that's that's sort of the by far the most developed sort of version of the band got it I recognize Megan's name from the album she appears she's she's like the uh 
the, the uh, female lead in a couple songs, and you guys featured her. Yeah, there's there's a couple songs. Right? One of them is a song called "I'm in No Pain," which Megan and I wrote. And even though by the time we released this stuff, she wasn't in the band anymore. It was something that we were we were both, and actually the whole band was extremely proud of. And you know, we just felt like there would be no reason to. I mean, you can you can make up your rules these days in the music industry. So by our standard, there was no reason to not include one of the most impressive tracks, just because. Um, and it was a duet, obviously. Megan and I are sharing lead vocals. And there's another song, which actually Joel wrote, called Pattern, where she sings the duet part, and it's it's an awesome performance. And so again, it was like, you know, why would we why would we not include those tracks when they were when they're they're awesome? So we were right. really happy yeah, with yeah. them. <clears throat> Very good. We're talking about the novelists a little bit since we started getting together here and everything, but we can talk about them anytime we want. I want to talk about you. So how old How old are you? Uh, I am 29. Yep, I'm 29. 29. <laughs> okay. When did you, um, like, when, when, did the, when did you get bit by the bug? When did this all become like a, a, a thing or is it not a thing? Do you have a full-time job and this is like a serious hobby or are you a full-time musician? Like what's your, what's your gig? Oh, it's, it's definitely a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a bug that bit me. Um, yeah, yeah everyone in the, everyone in the band's totally full-time. Um, my, That's what I thought. I wasn't yeah. sure though. Yeah, no, no. I mean, well, it's tough. I mean, they're, I mean, obviously it's, it's tough to do professionally, but it's tough to do because I mean, as a professional musician, you can obviously, um, not that this is a particularly easy route either, but you can, you can try to do the cover band thing and sort of be an entertainer. And if, and if you do that very well, um, you can find work. It's not the way that it was talking to some friends of mine and mentors that were kind of being professional musicians in the seventies and eighties where there was 70, you know, seven nights a week of music and clubs and people, more people were making a living doing it, but you can, you can do it that way. But particularly as somebody who's trying to make a name for themselves with original music, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, we, we definitely make compromises as far as gigs we have to play, you know, uh, again, not that any of it's beneath our dignity, but you know, sometimes we'll play weddings or corporate events or things like that, that, aren't necessarily sure, advancing our career, but they're putting some money in our bank account so we can afford to, to, you know, spend time doing other things or make albums and things like that. Um, gotta eat. Yeah, you, you do, you do. And, and not only do you have to eat, you know, as, as far as being an artist, especially in sort of the do it yourself era, um, you know, it's not like we're, it's not like we wouldn't answer the phone if we got a an offer from a record label or something like that but we're not holding our breath and it seems like the way that it happens it's more if you're gonna make it happen you have to kind of put together a business that's internal and um mm -hmm. utilize things like you know youtube and and all of these avenues you can use to get your music out there but um right. we're not we're not we're not sort of dreaming and waiting on some major label to come sweep us up and and make us rock stars i mean like i said if somebody came with a great offer we would answer but it, it, it we're gonna make our own we're gonna make our own careers that's our plan at least through through working mm -hmm. hard and trying you know staying true to what we want to do <clears throat> i don't think that shit really happens anymore anyway does it I well mean, I, whole, like, I, haven't swept, heard, I haven't heard i haven't heard much of it thing. no i mean yeah. you know it's been a while since i've heard of an artist like that and if and if it is it's usually an artist who is is a is purely like an entertainment pop artist um Sure. You know, like your Justin Bieber's or your 
your Taylor Swift <laughs> or whatever. Not by no means to say that those aren't talented individuals. It's just a totally, they're not even in the same game that we're, they're, they're, it's a different world. No. You know, that's like, totally. that, that's pop entertainment and, and we're trying to write uh, music that's coming from the heart and, 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 and um, not that there isn't some crossover, but it, it's not the same game. And we know that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely a different game. I think <laughs> it's not the first time Justin Bieber's come up on the show. That's funny, right? But uh, he is what he is. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and then man, when you talk about music and you talk about the entertainment industry, and there, um, there are lots of exceptionally talented people in various sort of forms. There's songwriters. There's there's uh, there are singers. There are instrumentalists. There's some that do it all. You know, there's there's some that just you know, you know, they put on a show. I mean, if you, you know, look about like some of these, some of these huge acts, um, uh, the, it's all about the show, like a Katy Perry thing like that. You know, they're, they're extremely sure. talented people. Um, it's, it's just a different thing. They're not necessarily the ones who are, are, you know, like, like our, one of our favorite ways to perform is in a living room with acoustic instruments and telling stories to people. Um, now, yeah, right you know, if we had the access to, we'd love to do sort of bigger shows like, you know, like a Pink Floyd or something like that. But anyway, it's a tangent. The point is that there, there are a lot of different uh, versions of, of what we're doing and talented people doing various things. But we're not, we're not in the same genre. We're not in the same business as, as Justin Bieber. Sorry to quote him again. So it, it's a totally different world, you know? <laughs> I mean, you talk about, I don't know if this is going to be a question, but like some of our influences, you know, going way back to the Beatles, but contemporary artists like Ben Folds and Bare Naked Ladies and, um, you know, the Eagles... Man, come on. I had a rough night and I hate the fucking eagles, man. Uh, bands that are that are just really about the actual craft. I, I, I watched a master class with Billy Joel a few weeks ago and he's talking about oh. like, I mean, he's he's one of the one of the best as far as as far as I'm concerned and you know, he was. This was from several years ago now, but he was talking about how much he enjoys doing these master classes because usually when he does an interview, at least in the past, they'd be asking about his first divorce and his second divorce and his wife and all this bullshit. And he's like, you know, I actually do play the piano and write songs that that are that I really like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really want to talk right. about any of this bullshit, and I wish people were more curious about how to do the actual job. Um, uh, anyway, that's kind of it's kind of none of your business. I don't want to totally. talk about my divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, ew. yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know I wrote. Uh, <clears throat> you know I wrote only the good die young, right? Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't want to talk about that. You want to talk about my, about my second divorce? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Right. It's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. That's that's the vultures. Yep. That's funny that I mean I want people to realize who we're talking to here. I I don't, I'm not even exactly sure who we're talking to, but we're talking to a dude that just said that some of our favorite ways to perform is the four of us sitting in a living room with acoustic guitars and telling stories. Mm-hmm. But let's not overlook the fact that looking at your website and I and I saw this video, you guys performed a headlining show in Cowboys Stadium. Uh that's true. That is true. That's that's an awfully big living room, Eric. Uh, so uh, well, you guys, that's, that's, that's about as wide as you can spread, man. That, that is a big living room. The interesting thing about that particular show is that's sort of what I was talking about with some of these events that we got when there's, you'd, you'd be amazed at how strange Cowboy Stadium looks when there's like 1500 people there because the, the event that we did there was a, was an event, um, that was actually on the field and, okay. um, 
uh, you saw a Cowboy Stadium holds like 110,000 or some absurd amount, which, by the way, was very, it's, it's a very was large crazy during sound check when you hear like, you know, you, you say, check, and it goes, check, 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 and then you have this reflection and that reflection. <laughs> it's, it's wild. But anyway... So there were fifteen. Not only that, you're on the field. not only that, you're, you're performing under you're performing under of an LED television that's like the size of a it's like an airport runway. That was so, cool. That was my Facebook profile yeah, I, profile I that was for a while. Neat. That was my nice. Facebook profile for a while. But <clears throat> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. I'm sorry. No, Go ahead. That's good. That's all. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, think talking about living room stuff like that. It um it it, it sort of goes back to the essence of when you write a song. You know, you don't usually write a song. Uh, well, certainly I don't write songs in theaters or stadiums or anything like that. You write a song at home, you know, in your, <laughs> in your house and you, and you, and, and it's, it's sort of fun to perform like that. Cause you're able to have a very interactive experience with the fans and, and, um, and uh, just acoustic performance in general is really fun, especially with a singing group such as ourselves, because you can really focus on blending the, you know, blending all the sounds from where you position yourself to how you sing rather than. Um, which is equally interesting, but a totally different world is when you're on stage, obviously you're, it's sort of an illusion of a performance because you're recreating everything through a mix, through panning, sure. through reverb, through compression, you know, um, anyway, this is some sort of the, the, the most organic way to perform is, is in those living room settings. And we'll have JK, I'll have brushes on the drums. And if, if there is one, I'll be playing an acoustic piano and it's, it's a, it's a special, it's a special thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing That's to hide, awesome. be- nothing to hide behind there either. You know. That's awesome. Uh, what's what exactly is your relationship with uh, with Daryl from Genesis? You look like you're like you're. Uh, you guys are pretty good friends. You guys have played together, and I th- I thought at one point you and I were emailing back and forth, and you said, actually, I can't I can't do the podcast that night. I'm performing with him. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool story. Um, he's a. Uh, He's a, a mentor of mine, and at this point, I'd, I'd also say a friend, which is which is really cool. He's an awesome dude, a total, uh, you know, certified rock star. But he's like just uh, you sit down and you have a cup of coffee with him or something like that. And he's one of the most down <laughs> down to earth, very normal, unassuming sort of guys who you would have no idea is like one of the best guitar players on earth. Um, wow! But um, yeah, it was interesting how that came about. My first, my first solo album back in uh, 2010 was produced by an old family friend who, uh, by the name of Kostia, who is actually um, Daryl Sturmer's keyboard player in his own band, not Genesis or Phil Collins, but obviously when he's not on tour with Genesis or Phil Collins, he has his own band called the Daryl Sturmer Band. And they, oh, do, okay. they do some of Daryl's instrumental original songs. They cover Genesis songs. They play... You know some Phil Collins songs. You know some of the things they co-wrote, and and you know it, some of it's almost like a jazz fusion band. And and anyway, his keyboard player uh, Kostia knew me through the family, and I had sort of, you know, I would I would go to Kostia's gigs, and I was like 19 years old, and I'd kind of bother him. And Kostia's the nicest guy in the world. They're like Kostia, Kostia, I'd, I'd like to play you some original songs. I need to make a, a record, and he was always so polite, but he kind of avoided me for a year, and then finally I like actually like. You know, finally, I actually got there and, and, and played him for him. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, you are pretty good. I should have I listened to you a year ago when, instead of avoiding you when you're stalking <laughs> me at your gigs. But so then Kostia produced my CD and um, he played it for Daryl at a rehearsal. And, and Daryl was Daryl loved it. I mean, he really did. And he said um, I was actually at an audition to work with Daryl on some some of Daryl Sturmer's stuff. And he 
uh, I asked him if he would play my CD release show in Wisconsin because I needed a guitar player, and that was one of my one of the most nerve wracking moments of my early twenties. Um, but he he said, "Yeah, absolutely, right away." He's like, "Yeah, I'd love to." Um, so that's really? that's pretty much the, you know how that started, and then there have been various things that have happened um, over the last few years. Uh, I've had Daryl play with me. Actually, we've done some house concerts together, as well as I've done some projects with Daryl where he'll do. Um, he'll have a singer for part of his set, and he'll do some some of his favorite Genesis songs um, from over mm-hmm. the years, as well as um, some Phil Collins songs, uh, which is really which is really an interesting experience. They just did the I don't know if you saw, but Phil Collins just did the U.S. Open um, about what a week ago or something Monday uh, a week ago. I, week I, I didn't see it. I I know he did it. I didn't see it though. Yeah, he, he he did it, and uh, it was funny because I did the show with Daryl in Wisconsin like a week before, and I just I just kept thinking, holy shit! Like on some of these songs that are that I was singing that Phil Collins sings, I was like, geez, this is like, this is wild to think that uh, I'm singing this song and then he's gonna go do this with Phil Collins the next week, and then I was and I would think about it too much and I'd get hella nervous and I'd be like, oh shit! I hope I I, I, I better really nail it. This is big shoes to fill, you know, like all this sort of thing. But um, sure, right, um, right. But uh, yeah, that's basically that's basically how, what that is. And I mean, he's awesome. He's a great guy. He's also a f- huge fan of the the novelists, um, and has has sort of been a mentor for us as far as just advice on how to how to how to actually sort of make it happen. I don't even mean make it big. I just mean make it happen at all. You know, make make a living doing what you love. So, sure, that's amazing, man. Isn't that cool that that. Like uh, that's that's kind of the the point of this podcast is I'm trying to find like my little stupid tagline that I came up with is trying to find the humanity in an industry full of monsters and awesome you just I assume, love it oh thank you I love I it I coined that myself I jotted that down on the back of a ticket while I was working I was like, I love good. it I think I'll use that it but is too it's an industry you, of monsters you have to break down this tour bus unapproachable. Oh my God! That's that's Daryl from Genesis. Just turns out he's just a regular dude that pulls his pants on one leg at a time, and he's rad, mm-hmm. and he helps out a, a kid in his mid twenties. And now, totally, you still have a relationship with? Yeah, like, like we're just we're just a bunch of human beings. Some of us are just maybe more fortunate and luckier than others, and right, you know, we get to listen to each other's shit. You know, right? And I love it. Exactly. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, okay, I want I want to dive into a couple songs here because, um. I, I have a jobby job. I walk around nine to five, and I have my earbuds in all the time. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to music. Right on. And uh, sometimes I have my earbuds in, and I don't even have my iPod on. I just want people to think I'm listening to something so they don't talk to me. Understand? But, <laughs> right? It's like I'm I'm faking it. You know what I mean? I, I've learned but, to I've learned to fake a phone call once or twice uh-huh. on a break. Yes, do they? Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. And then you pull the earbuds out, and they're yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay okay good so anyway um you sent me breaking the script which is your newest album and you guys have the audacity how dare you put out a double album i don't know who you guys think you are but uh, (laughs) i know right in the world of in the world of singles and uh uh and eps and the add generation go for it put out a double album and if they don't like it whatever but um I popped it in, and I remember where I remember the school I was walking around in, and it was over the summer, so there's nobody in the school. It's just this giant building with like two people in it, right? Mm-hmm. Waxing the floors or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I put in, I put in breaking the script book one. 
I love the book thing, by the way. That's pretty awesome. cool. And um, the first song, Morris and Estelle. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. That's like so sad. <laughs> that's the, that's that song totally made me sad and bummed me out. I was kind of like, okay, this is happy. This is happy. And then this this lovely. The, I don't want I don't want to give it away. I want people to check it out. But um, let's go down. Let's go down this road a little bit. Uh, t- discussing the novelist is 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 folk a bad word or is folk a word that you guys would embrace? Well, I, I think it's one we would embrace, especially because we do so many house concerts. But I mean, r- most of the recordings, although they do sort of, they do come all over the place a little bit, which we like and it's very intentional. Uh, most of the recordings mm-hmm. is a little bit more produced, a little bit more of a rock band or fuller sound. But folk is great, Agreed. especially from a lyrical sense, because we, we're, we're writing songs and we're telling stories, which is what what you know folk music is all about is is telling stories You guys get a little dark. You guys get a little dark, and that totally taps into my metal side because well, I, I love the, I love the whole like I'm a happy guy. I'm a happy go lucky dude. But when it comes to music, I, I can't listen to happy go lucky all the time. It gets a little bubble gummy for me, you know. And the the novelist, you guys kind of, you guys kind of swing dark now and again, and I really dig it. I really I really enjoy it a lot actually because it it kind of leaves you like ah. Oh, <laughs> it kind of leaves you like thinking about the lyrics because I, I just think bubblegum lyrics just leave you kind of hollow and empty and it's like eating sugar all day you didn't eat any nutrients you know what I mean and I, I and, agree um, I don't know man something about the first song the first song Morris and Estelle just for people that haven't heard it it's about an elderly couple that spend their entire lives together and they're madly in love with each other and the whole song is happy 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 Morris gets sick and they decide to do the whole Romeo and Juliet kind of <laughs> Uh, they're gonna they're gonna end it together thing, and you're like, holy shit! And the, and the way that the way that the song folds, like you guys spent verses and verses and verses building up how awesome their life and their retirement is, and then it was like, ah shit, Morris is sick, we're done. And I was like, whoa! It it, it kind of turned it turns on you kind of quick towards the end, and I that kind of set the mood for the whole rest of the double album. I got to be honest with you, at first I was like, why the f- would a band open up? With a song that heavy and that sad and leave you with like this hollow, weird feeling inside. But then I spent the next two albums kind of like, I wonder where this one's gone. Right. I wonder where this one's gone. And sometimes it didn't really break bad. And there were other songs, like you have another song on there. I don't remember the title, forgive me. But you have another song on there about a a couple that decided to climb into the backseat of a car and do what couples do. And they accidentally picked a murder scene. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, you guys are all over the place lyrically, and I think it's totally a fun ride to listen to everything you guys are doing. So, there, I set it all up. What do, what do you have to say about all that? Well, actually, so the f- first song, what I would f- say about Morrison Estelle is I'm curious if you've seen the music video, because we uh, we actually made a music video for that, which is our debut music video. So just go on YouTube and, and check it out if you haven't. But I have not. I have you, not seen it as of right yeah. now. You, go go watch it tonight, and, and hopefully you'll dig it. But what I will say about that song, and, and that's a that's a Joel song, so I can't take any credit for the for the actual uh, lyrical writing. But what I will say is that okay. when he wrote the song, he he read about this thing in the paper. So he wasn't. First of all, that's actually a true story. It's completely true. 
Um, but oh, wow. he, he's thinking about it, and I actually tend to agree. So here's a challenge to sort of look at it another way, is that instead of thinking about it in a sort of uh, – great life and then tragedy, doom and gloom ending, like this is life, you know, it's, it's, it sucks eventually sort of perspective. Um, he's actually thinking about it from these people did something extremely extraordinary to sort of be in control of their own fate. And they made a vow to live together forever till death do us part. And, and they, and man, they, they weren't going to let anybody sort of make that choice for them. So he, he describes it actually as a beautiful love scene. Now I know that might other people may not agree, but that's a perspective. Um, that's a perspective of his. And the other thing I would say that as a band, we all sort of see eye to eye. And when you talk about some of the melancholy stuff is we're not sad people. We're not depressed people. We are highly emotionally charged individuals, which means you get the good and you get the bad. But I'm certainly a believer in life that um, authenticity and um, finding truth and reality are very important things. And eventually they'll lead you um, I think the more you accept what's real, the, the closer you'll become to um, just a, a happier, um, more fulfilled soul. And so when it's mm-hmm. a song like Morris and Estelle, I mean, yeah, he read about that and he said, this is shocking. But he also said, I don't really need, the world doesn't necessarily need another ooh la la, I love you song, which is, by the way, I, I you know, Joel and I differ on this a bit, but I'm, I'm not here to say that songs like that don't have value. Um, at sure, all. I'm just so. saying we don't necessarily need to write all of them all the damn time. I mean, there's enough of that. Right. He, he said, right. I'm, I read a story about something that I found to be rather shocking and amazing and unique, and I'd rather write about that. And it was real. So so that's right. sort of the Morrison Estelle thing. And I think you'll find these songs, um, although sort of a lot of variance to the songs throughout these two albums, the, the theme of breaking the script is is usually sort of is usually there in most of them. I mean, obviously Morris and Estelle sure broke the script, but the idea is that so much of life, sure. so so much of everything you sort of see, you look around is is um, is a script. And uh, again, not not to say that in any sort of like pretentious way or to suggest that we're we're you know above that or anything. But the idea is sort of well, let's think outside the box a bit. You know, maybe life doesn't have to be sure. exactly as programmed. You know, and then you figure it out when you're 21 or 18 or something, and then you just play out the rest of the script. Well, it doesn't have to be like that. And I think when you look a little deeper, it's not. You know, so I mean, I you 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 go down the song titles, and they're about various different things. But you know, um, you know, prisoner of your mind. I don't want to be like you. Um, well, m- most of them. Just the ideas is um, sort of a, a little bit of a different perspective. I think I don't want to be like you, you and I just back and forth with some email correspondence. I think you also said that that's another Joel song. I mean, it he kind of, he laid it out there for the, for the Ted performance. That song smashed me. That song well, crushed me, man. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites, if not my favorite of Joel songs. And, and what I should say too, about the, the Joel song, Eric song, Joel, Eric, Zach song, Joel, Zach song, Eric, Megan song, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Is that, <laughs> Right, there's, I got you. There's the thing that was interesting about breaking the script. It was our first opportunity to really get into co-writing and co-production, which is mm-hmm. um, a really interesting thing because I think eventually it's what makes a band sound like a band rather than just a solo artist with a backing band. And um, gotcha. so some songs are co-written, um, some songs are individually written, but they're all mm-hmm. they're all co-produced, and um, we're we're all offering input as far as well, how they're produced, instrumental parts and things like that, vocal parts. And it's really an interesting thing. And initially, an artist can be 
and I'm, I'm guilty as hell of this, but initially you can be really worried and sort of apprehensive to let somebody do anything with your song because you're like, well, this is how I want it. And you hear all this, you hear in your head how you want it to be produced. And then you maybe have Zach write a, a string orchestration or Joel, you know, composes guitar parts. And you just have to, you have to let go and say, I embrace this. And I actually am looking forward to what they're going to come up with because they have beautiful brains themselves and ideas and they're not me. And if I wanted it to sound mm-hmm. exactly the way I want it to sound, then, you know, oh, that's fine, but that's more of a solo project. And then you can control all those variables. Um, gotcha. But even some of the songs that I wrote or Joel wrote, when we other musicians put their stamp on it, it doesn't sound like a Joel song anymore or an Eric song. It sounds like a novelist song. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 um that's a corner that a band has to turn that doesn't happen overnight. Like right. like uh you guys had you said the novelist has been a thing since two thousand eleven, I think you said. Well, it, technically, the novelist has been a thing even longer than that. But the core, the core okay. three of us before JK has been since two thousand eleven. Um, Joel has had uh, various versions of, you know, a band with the name Novelist uh, prior to to my involvement too. But basically, since two thousand okay two thousand ten, Joel and I started doing tons of duo stuff and sort of made the face of the band and and, and Zach actually 2010 Zach was in, involved as well too um, and then 2011 gotcha. it was it absolutely became a full-time endeavor for all of us <clears throat> so it's take it's take it's been a journey it's taken five or six years for you to get to the point where you can take your quote-unquote song and Joel's quote-unquote song and kind of throw it into the mix and it comes out and it, it, it goes through the factory and comes out a novelist song as right. opposed to it sounding like you know, as opposed to it sounding like, uh, oh, I can tell that's a Joel song. I can exactly. tell that's an Eric. You, exactly. know, you know what I mean? It beca- it becomes a band thing, yeah. and um, that that coalescence is that even mm-hmm. a word? I don't know. I'll but, go with uh, it. That sure, why not? I mean, I'll look it. I'll Google it, see if it works. But <sighs> but I, I I hear it. I hear it. I hear it in the. Uh, I hear I hear the maturity in the songwriting where um um the parts are well thought out, and I I personally play drums and i i, I okay. love how i love how tasteful that that uh jk right mm-hmm. you know jk yep i love i love how tasteful that he does what he does and there's also songs where the dude stands up and plays a ukulele it's not time it's, to play drums for this y- one yeah right yeah mandolin or man i'm yeah, sorry mandolin man. i yeah i don't remember the video no worries and um man you, you guys are uh you guys are all over the place I, i'm i'm kind of i'm i'm excited that I, I think most of the people who listen to the show probably never heard of you, and I'm hoping that I drive some traffic there. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go uh, expecting a giant spike in sales, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm hoping that I just draw some attention to it because me too. I I do a lot of metal. I do a lot of heavy stuff. That's kind mm-hmm. of my background, and mm-hmm. and I like I like finding these little s- side shots of of but wait a minute you should check this out i think i think this resonates with it absolutely uh, with that sort of fan and I, I don't know why i don't exactly know how to draw that connection but it's the same reason why death metal people love johnny cash sure they don't well, they don't they don't like country music but they like johnny cash you know what i'm saying it, it's got it's got like this weird dark singer songwriter i'm getting personal open up my rib cage and show you my heart vibe to it. And, and I got that out of the gate with you guys. I mean, I, like I said, I emailed you the first day I heard of you. Cause I was like, I want them on the show. I hope they're not assholes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I'm deciding that I need to talk to these guys because 
I don't get that often, man. It's 2016. Bands yeah. don't impress you anymore. I mean, you got, I, I know. you got, you got, you got 15 seconds to light me up, and if it doesn't work, I'm moving on because Bandcamp right. has 70 right. new releases today just in this genre. And oh my um, something about the novelist grabbed me by the throat. You well, know, thank you. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make people hear that. You know, you know what what I what I would say on that too is it's about my personal opinion, and it sounds like it's sort of aligned with what you're thinking here and, and saying is is things that are done things that are done well with passion is really what I think. And I I mean obviously I I have my own preferences musically and artistically and this and that, but usually usually if something is even completely the opposite spectrum of what I'd usually listen to, if I feel mm-hmm. like the artist is actually doing it and coming from the right place and, and really living the experience, that's what gets me interested. And that gets me more right. interested in even maybe listening to some completely uh, generic, heartless version of some genre that might be more what I usually listen to. You know, if it's not, yep. not going to be real, no thanks. Yeah. And it comes out in the wash, you know, when you hear it. Oh, Totally. Absolutely. You know the people who pioneered that genre, and then the fifty people that ran in behind them to try to mimic it and jump. <laughs> oh on the man, yeah, gravy train. I mean, just you're, you're you're so right, and and that's where I'm saying too with with uh, you know people that can perform and, and people that write. There's so many different there's so many different facets of the industry that you know require a different skill set. But you're right. We sometimes we call it like flavor of the month. It's like you get uh, sure. you get a um, you get a sound that kind of works. And, you know, usually it is sort of a unique sound initially. And then instead of continuing to innovate, you have like, you have like uh, everybody and their brother for the next three to five years doing the same thing. And then that's what the label wants because they've decided instead of taking a risk, we've decided that this sound really works. So any band that sounds like this, we're, you know, and so, and part of that is, is a, is a valid sort of um, flow of creative trends. You know, you see it in fashion and all these things, things move through cycles and, and, uh, you know, we're all, we're all probably unconsciously guilty of it to a certain extent, but, but I hear you too. Sometimes you can see right through it and you're like, man, you didn't even, you didn't even really, you didn't even really write that song. You just, you set out on a mission to try to sort of, uh, well, make a flavor of the month hit, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's hard too. It's just, it's a different thing. It's a totally different thing. It is, it is a different thing. My friend, my friend, uh, my friend and I always discuss this too. If there's, if there's, if there's a way to follow a map, then I can guarantee you, I promise you, you're not the first person to figure that map out. Right. And you're already late to the game. Like as sure. soon as, like as soon as it officially hit the magazines that Seattle was the scene, People were leaving Seattle because they were like, Ugh, everybody's exactly. showing up here now. You, you right. know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I remember that happening to uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It became like this cool indie scene. And by the time it hit the magazines that it was a cool indie scene, people it were like, going more, yeah. no, we already was have. It, was, that, was that around Ben Folds time? Because um, I know Ben I Folds know. was from Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. I was thinking I was thinking the whole like extended DC scene, you know, that, okay. that whole that that whole thing but might might have been i mean i'm i'm referring to who the hell am i i don't i don't know i when, i i don't i make no declaration as to when things were cool and not cool but <laughs> I, I i just remember reading 
some sort of weird article of like, here are the cool places that are producing music. And I was like, Ugh, like if this is already in a magazine, it's not legitimate anymore. Exactly. It's not yeah. like it finally got through the writers and it got through the mm-hmm. editors and the editor in chief. Okay. We're finally going to print this man. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it, it's, it's not, it's not that anymore. So mm-hmm. stop trying to follow a map and just do your own thing. And, and then um, I, I detect that here. I don't, it's not disingenuine, I guess. Well, thank is, you. Is, is, it's it. I heard not disingenuine, and I and I, I want people to be able to hear that. Awesome. So, um, tell me about above the hiding. It's been a while. We've been down. Now it's time we change the score. Breathe in the air. Be who we are. Who would have thought we'd come so far? It's taken a while, but I found it. Keep on wanting it more. Never before felt so much love. Ready to live this life above the hiding While I miss the chance to be there Crippled by fear Thinking they'd care Living a lie I thought the truth Would leave me alone too high Still I Well, um, Above the Hiding is a, a perfect song for the theme of um, uh, breaking the script, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's sort of about, which is actually a song that I wrote with, uh, actually that's one of the, one if not the only song, uh, technically a, a three-way co-write. Um, oh, wow, okay. It started as... Um, just like a little, uh, uh, like a little bit of a melody that I had for that chorus, um, and then I was in the in our sort of home studio with with Zach, <clears throat> and he sort of threw some uh, melodic as well as chord progression ideas, sort of in a verse, which actually happens frequently. That's another beauty of co-writing is sometimes you just can't get us, you can't get a song to the finish line, um, but you you feel like you really have something valuable, and you you know throw it to somebody else, and all of a sudden they contribute. The, what was the missing part, you know, and the part that you never would have composed yourself, but it works. Right. Um, right. And then I was actually almost done. I wrote basically all the, well, all of the lyrics except for one word, but um, it was a very important <laughs> word and it was contributed by Joel, which is hiding. I couldn't figure out what the heck I was trying to say specifically. I mean, the idea of the song is um, is not necessarily tied to one particular uh, type of being above the hiding, but it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, being tired. You know, just to quote the lyrics, right? But I've grown tired of playing out this role. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a theme that resonates a lot within the band, whether it's just disappointing your parents because you, like Joel often says, decided to be a, a folk singer instead of a lawyer or, um, 
you know, uh, I mean, it could be anything like that. You, you, all kinds of people we know in our own, in our own circle, in our own lives, and sort of one of the the hit issues of the, of the, uh, of the. I guess one of the popular issues, I should say, of the decade. It's always been an issue, but is, you know, one's sure. sexuality, and um, it, it it could be. There's there's three or four sort of ideas throughout that song that. Um, oh okay, I, you that, know, I didn't think of that. That that. Um, yeah, I mean there are, there are a few, and we're actually going to make a music video for it next. So first of all, don't forget to check out the Morrison Estelle. We're going to make a music video for that one too, um, which which by the way, if you listen to it, is a song that has a bit of melancholy sort of, which is sort of something I, I like to do personally. If you listen to the verses, it has a bit of melancholy, and then a pre-chorus that sort of rises a bit more, and then the chorus is actually a very anth- anthematic sort of major throw your hands in the air sort of sound. And um, I like to do that for, not to go on a total tangent here, but I like to do that for a couple different reasons. One, because I remember even going back to my days playing the viola, I always liked songs that, or or compositions that took you on a bit of a journey. And so you talk about like bubblegum pop. Well, if you're sitting around the, you know, I don't know know if this is exactly bubblegum pop, but if you're sitting on the beach in Mexico drinking a uh, Corona um, and, and uh, I've, God, I don't mean this to diss this guy in the slightest, so please don't take it that way. But if Jack Johnson comes on the radio and you're sitting and you're having your Corona and you're leaning back in your chair in the sand, like that's perfect mm-hmm. and that's great. But it, but uh, and actually, he does have some deeper material. But some of these songs I'm thinking of, it's just sort of it's there and it's nice um, and it, and it makes yeah. you feel good. But it's it's almost yeah, like it's almost like emotional compression because it's not. It's just all it's all very light now. And some songs are just very, very dark, right? So the other thing, right. but it's a nice right. kind of juxtaposition to do something where, okay, you feel this way, and then all of a sudden, out comes the major chord, and the song pops, and then you go back, maybe you go back a little dark, or maybe you go back a little low on the production, and everything gets sparse. Just dynamics and things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I was happy with, with that, how Above the Hiding came out, too, because it it definitely very much musically is right along with the message, which is which is be yourself and be true to yourself um, mm-hmm. regardless of what, what it might be that you're sort of struggling with. And it matches the, it matches the tone of the music, you know, by the end it's big drums and, and um, Ebo guitars, which sound almost like strings. When we performed it live for our CD release, we actually use string parts in there, but it's, it's big and lush and hits you big. And then anyway, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, I, 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 lo- I know exactly what you're saying. The music should be with consistent with the <clears throat> with the lyrics, or or maybe it's not, but it's intentional. Either way, that's sort of the idea: is that you know you're you're uh, you're you're writing something that you you very very closely identify with, I guess. Right. So I love the um, I love the fact that there's a four part harmony in the chorus because anybody can sing along to it. <laughs> Well, if you, you if, if you have a particularly high voice, you can grab that part. If right. you cannot get up that high, I which I cannot. I can, I can I can only mimic those high notes when I'm trying to sing along with Iron Maiden or something. Right. But, but uh, you know what I mean. But there's like the lower parts. It's kind of like pick pick a lane and you can join in too. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing I've noticed with a lot of pop artists that have phenomenal voices is they are going to. They are going to show off everything that they possibly have, and I feel like an ass sitting behind my steering wheel trying to sing along with any of that stuff because I'm right. like, I can't. You know what I mean? But when you have four-part harmonies, it's almost like it's it's got like a choral kind of a thing to it. Sure. Where it's kind of like I I want you to you could be the fifth dude 
or the right. fifth lady singing along, right. you know, and and um, that song really grabbed my attention too. That was one of the three that are on the that are in the TED set, yep. and um, I'm going to include a link. I I've, I haven't even seen the Morris and Estelle video yet. I'm going to include a link in my show notes for people to click on that. Right. On. And I'm also going to put a link to the uh, to the TED performance because I want people to see the one that grabbed my attention. Awesome. Um, and and the uh, I don't want to be like you song. I mean, I'm 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 sorry. That was a Joel song, but that that's the one that like. Oh, man, oh you 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 don't have to be sorry. That's why I'm in the band with the guy. You know, we have a, a tremendous knock my respect. ass out, knock my ass out. That totally grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. It really it really, um, it's it spoke to me on a uh, on on kind of a religious level. Mm-hmm. The third verse is the one that got my attention. I get the whole like. You know, I, I did your school thing. I don't want to mm-hmm. be like you. Mm-hmm. I did your work thing. I don't want to be like you. Mm-hmm. But then th- then the religious thing came around, and I was like, ooh, ooh, that hit really close to home. I, and, um, oh, I hear you. I, man, I, I, don't, good, man. I don't personally have the, 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 the firm religious background uh, myself, but, you know, Joel certainly does. But it, but it, it all resonates. I mean, that... That's the thing is with a lot of these songs, there was a common theme and they were written over several years. So it's not like we decided we were going to write, we were going to write uh, Breaking the Script. We just, we wrote where we were at and, you know, you, what happens when you hang out with people and people, your close friends, they're, they're, I think there tend to be common themes because sure. it's not necessarily a coincidence, you know, and uh, whether it's Above the Hiding or I Don't Want to Be Like You, actually those two songs are maybe the most indicative or, or appropriate mm-hmm. to the album title, but uh, I mean, most of it sort of is. But exactly, yeah, I, I joined your religion. I, I, I made it my life. What is it? I, I, I crap. I have to be singing along with it to get. I sing the perfect harmony part. Traded, tra- traded you. I traded you all that I had for a promise of, of what I, what I might find. You know, it's not what, what, I, what I, what I'm going to find. It's what I might. Right. <laughs> right. No. Don't wanna be like you. 
wanna be like you Another song that stood out to me I th- I think it's We mm-hmm. I took that as post breakup post divorce mm-hmm. Yeah that's a song that's a Dude. song actually that that's the first song that Joel and I ever wrote together uh, and the string orchestration is done by Zach so that's also kind of a a very typical novelist song Just lines on a wall a picture in a frame frozen there the day we shared a name a quiet empty shell Records in a row The mood was never far from what we chose Kill the lights and close the door such thing as that song's hard dude like that that was that was hard to hear because you don't you don't think of it that way anymore i've been married for 16 years Mm -hmm. uh we 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 i have three kids and two dogs and a wife i we my we is a clan you know and There's people out there that are have disassembled what they know their entire life is we anymore and it's been it's been it's been uh uh dismantled and down to it's just you and me now it's not we anymore. Right. That song was a little little bit of a gut punch cuz I I know I happen to know two couples going through uh one is just amicably splitting and the other one's going through an ugly like dra- knock them down drag them out lawyer divorce. Ugh. And uh I heard that song and just thought, dang, dude, like that's, ugh, (laughs) it's heavy. You have some heavy stuff, man. And, and, um, that, that, that weighs, uh, that weighs on my heart to hear that kind of stuff and not have it, not have it be bubblegum and shallow and, you know. Well, and, and, and like I, like I said a little earlier, I think it's just important to reiterate is that when people hear our music, we, you know, we certainly don't want to think, have them think of us as, you know, that's the depressing, depressing band. But what I do want them to think of is that's the band, that's the band that's real and is telling, telling the real stories and, and, um, is, uh, is kind of willing to go there, you know, and, uh, right. and again, I mean, you can go down the list of the, the artists, uh, you know, today that are fantastically, you know, talented and some of, actually some of my favorites, you know, but that don't necessarily go there. And, and that's great. And that's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but we, we, we want to go there. We want to go to that next level. And sometimes what happens, I think when you, when you do write something that's real, it, it may in the moment seem like it's a sad thing, but it may bring you to a higher understanding of yourself or a higher understanding of the situation you're in. And I think that's, sure. a, that's a goal. And another goal is, is you know sometimes with a sad song is you're purging you're purging something that's real and you you know oh, you, if especially if you don't you, you know you can go ahead and write you can write a you know happy song um easy sort of generic happy song all day long and and again it has a place but one of the things i think you mentioned earlier which i i would sort of echo or 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 own myself is that sometimes i don't believe it 
if you have an album and it's just 11 songs straight of like happy, I mean, I would say, are, have you, do you pay attention at all? Like, do you pay attention exactly. to yourself? Yeah. Do you pay attention to the world? Because, you know, again, obviously, well, not obviously, but I'd like to reiterate too, my, my own focus is like, is on, is on positivity and personal growth and presence, but it's also on genuity. And so if we're all just going to walk around and pretend that everything's just completely great all the time, I'm going to tell you that you're not, you're not willing to get real with yourself and you're not willing to get real with, exactly. with anybody. You haven't, you haven't had that man in the mirror point in your life where you exactly. have to decide like, this isn't, this isn't as fun as the pop artists are making it sound right. like this or you walked out of the, or you walked out of the bathroom because you didn't want to look in the mirror anymore and you decided you'd decide you'd you know sort of put that off until next week or next month or whatever which i see happening right. a lot and i've been guilty of myself at certain periods of time in my oh, life sure probably still are sure, it's like, we all i don't have. really want to deal with that right now yeah hurts too much and it's yeah. friday i'm more interested in partying and having Ex- fun this exactly. weekend right i'll go back to my monday mundane blech thing but but then but then it happens over and over and over and over again and then next thing you know oh where's the time gone yeah and here comes the melancholy then that's when these songs start to make sense (laughs) right right sometimes with albums with albums and and a sequence of songs and you look at a whole artist's career there's an arc to it and um like i said again especially for people that don't know about the band yet I, i don't want them to think that the uh, the novelists are just depressed people because in general we're very happy alive <laughs> alive people, but there are certain curves and there are certain things that happen and in I think the last five to seven years have been extremely formative years for myself and for Joel. I mean for everyone in the band, but particularly the two of us who are writing the lyrics. And that's I think when you look back on these albums twenty years from now, you know they may be nothing more than just our own personal diaries. But when you look back on them they're probably going to make perfect sense. Um, okay. You know? I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll fall together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, oh, that's wow. That's when I was feeling like that, and that's what happened. And, and well, that issue resolved, and, well, that one didn't. Or maybe it did, but it took 15 more years. or You know, whatever. I like, I like the story behind each song because, like you said, that, that's an interesting point because 20 years from now, you can go back. Like, right now, this is what you're going through. Mm-hmm. 20 years from now you can look back on it as a snapshot of what you were exactly exactly might have a totally different perspective on it later but for now for now this is what i'm going through this is what i feel everything is nothing 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 is in stone it's all static it can all move and 20 years from now i can look back on that super sad thing and laugh about it because that's where i'm at right whereas 20 years ago Dang, I wanted to throw myself off a building thinking about it, you know, right. but th- this is this is what people go through. This is the, these are the this is all part of the journey and 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 um I think you guys do a good job tying that together. Well, thank uh, you. It's neat it's neat that the four of you have figured out a way to make it sound so cohesive. Like it doesn't sound like an Eric like like you were saying before, it doesn't sound like Eric and these other three dudes or Joel right. and these <clears throat> other three dudes, you know. Right. It really mm-hmm. sounds like the four of you kind of kind of hand in hand doing this together you know sure you can you can tell you can tell when you hear a band that's like being led by somebody mm-hmm. and and the other three guys are just there to play other guitar bass and drums you know right mm-hmm. and you can tell when people are like really under the hood together you know sure i'd, I'd uh, throw i'll throw in too just based on your your the title of your podcast as the story grows i like that that's that's perfect for for uh, having the novelists on the show because it's ex- and that's what we're talking about right now, right? As the story grows, you look back, 
you look back and you see, I'm sure you'll look on your podcast and you'll find points of interest over the years, things that you, you were more interested in here. And this band, this was more interesting. This was less. And this took me this direction and the story grows, right? Yes. So. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's the, why we're here. It's funny you say that. I, I, I've actually spent, I've actually spent time going through, you know, just review your website and make sure things are loading correctly or whatever. And just kind of take like a trip down memory lane and be like, I remember talking to that dude in that band I'm not even into that band, but their label contacted me, mm-hmm. and I'm not even. I kind of don't do the metalcore thing, eh? Whatever. But uh, I'm not in a position to say no. Who am I? I'm no. I'm no rock star podcaster. Where I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah, of course, I'm honored that you would ask me to talk to one of your people. Sure, let me do some research on it. Mm-hmm. And you go down that path, and you have a conversation with the guy, and at the end of it, you're like, that was amazing. I just made yeah. a friend. Like, Absolutely. like when that dude when that dude comes through Pennsylvania, we will probably hook up and have a beer, and that's exactly. really neat, you know. Yeah. And that's how the story grows, because then that guy leads you to this girl, and this girl sure. leads you to that dude, and this next thing you know, I'm pushing a hundred guests and right. i don't know i just keep going you know and yeah and then and then my buddy says listen to this band called the novelist they cover toto really well oh okay and here i am talking to you you know and, right and now i know when the novelists come through pennsylvania i'm gonna come i'm gonna come hunt you down and i'm gonna buy you a shot you know absolutely sounds good have you guys ever played pennsylvania before uh we did uh, before jk i think we played it in 2011 or 12 or something like that um oh, okay i don't remember exactly where we played but jk actually lives in baltimore so he's much closer to you uh i mean not that that's necessarily all that close but he's much closer to your side of the country um definitely that's only like three hours away your drummer lives in baltimore and you guys are yes. from reno like nevada right yep reno nevada how does that work? Well, it's a great question, and the the truth is, it's because it started um, while J.K. was still here, and then his wife got into medical school in Baltimore, and he went out there, and he wanted to stay in the band, and he knew all the material, and you know, quite frankly, we wanted him to stay in the band too. So it's it's tricky, absolutely, as an independent band who you know isn't making tons and tons of money because every time we buy a flight uh, I mean you can just do the math I mean it's it's thousands of dollars tens of thousands of dollars a year to to keep to keep him involved but he's he's a, he's a member of the band and he and he and he he's the perfect fit you know he he sings the shit out of the songs not only does he play them and it's just it's a good fit you know because you played sure. you played together for a while and we wouldn't be playing with some any member of the band for going on three years if it wasn't a good fit you know sure so it makes and the other thing that it does is because i do a lot of the booking which i'm anyone out there listening who wants to do booking for the novelist please let me know because i am (laughs) over it um the thing is the thing is i have to be really smart when i put together a uh like a a little mini tour or a a run of shows because i can't if it's going to be X amount of money to fly him out here and X amount of money just to get everybody paid like the bare minimum. I can't, oh, book, I, see. I can't, I can't book a $200 thing here and then a, a benefit here and then another $200 thing there and be in the hole two grand, you know? So it's, for, it's forced us to be really smart sure. about it, which, mm-hmm. you know, people, a lot of artists like to say, well, I just like to ignore the whole business side of it, or I'm an artist, so I'm not into that. Well, I personally actually do, uh, as much as it sort of depresses me that the business can kind of ruin some of the art to it, I, I enjoy it a little bit, and I also think that it is necessary. Whether you want to call it necessary evil or not is up to you. I, th- I think it's just necessary, because if you're not making smart decisions, your your band is no more. 
It's just not because people can't can't afford to do it, or because they have a better offer with a smarter with a smarter band, or 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 they they've got you know financial commitments and they need to make X amount of dollars per month. Otherwise, they're not going to be involved. So I think that those types of pressures are as much as they're a pain. I think in general they can actually be a good thing because they force you to really scrutinize your decisions. Not, not only that, if you guys don't take it in house and do it yourself. You have to pay someone to do it. Well, that's now, that's true. Now, now, now you made even less money. Or you have to open yourself up to like not trusting somebody and they're shoveling more money out of it than they should be. But well, if, and if you guys don't if you guys don't do it yourselves, you're no one's gonna do it for free. You well, know? you're you're right. And and for the record, I uh I mean, we would love to have a management and booking company that could do a great job for us, but the truth is for it to be something that would actually be mutually beneficial. It needs to be. It would need to be somebody who's pretty well connected, because, like you said, I already have all my connections, and I know I know what I'm I'm doing for our band, and I know what works and what doesn't work. So yeah. you know, but I mean, if we were able to sign with a like a really big management company, booking company, well, would I be willing to relinquish some of that creative control if it meant that we could play twice as many festivals next year and you know have a shot at some major national opening acts and things like that well absolutely hell, I would. hell yeah. yeah yeah so well there you go listeners <laughs> <laughs> believe me i don't have that many industry people listening but hey if anybody can help right you never know you never know in a lifetime long ago Ready to burn down this place Drafting plans and laying frames This could only be the best Dropping names to pass the test Can you hear them? Or do you see them? Calling out your name It only lasts so long This is a new game Take them over I mean, there's a there's a few songs where we feel totally at home doing um, because we've done them for several years and we and we we're, we're just at a point where we we can really just focus on emoting instead of playing technically. Uh, like one of them is a song called Soul Sucker. Um, an- another song, well, another song would be I Don't Want to Be Like You. Um, Above the Hiding. Not that these songs are necessarily easy because each of them are sort of challenging in their own ways, but we've played them so many times that we're we're at home with those songs completely. Um, there's a, there's a new song called easier to dream, which, um, is actually a three-way write as well. That's a song that, uh, Zach started with a bass riff, brought it to me. I, hmm. I, uh, wrote the lyrics to, and then one, one day when I had a solo gig, the rest of the band sort of changed some of the rhythm and, and chords and guitar parts and things like that. Um, but that one's probably the most challenging song I would think that we have to play as a hmm. band. 
um, partially because it's brand new, but also because it has different fluctuating time signatures and it has some really high singing and low singing. And Zach plays a lead part. Um, that's probably actually that's as far as an original song. That's our most difficult one. On the mountain in the morning, he clicks into his feet. The frost upon his face, the pristine air and limitless sky. Only memories Across the field and up the hill To a place long gone Passes his old street Before the dead came due The time ran out and anyone died It was easier to dream And then there's this song like when we're when we're covering songs like we you know when we're playing cover band gigs we know a lot of just sort of you know your everyday sort of cover songs that that uh, maybe a lot of people do but we still like to play but songs like you know every time we play Bohemian Rhapsody we're all still like oh shit can't am I gonna be able to do this like and we've been playing that song for two years but it's, it's something like that it's like it's as complicated as a as a as a Beethoven piece. I mean, I can tell you that because I have a background as a classical performer. You know, when you're trying to do all the vocals and all the parts, and it's six minutes long, and it's basically like four different songs and three or four different keys. Yeah. There's like bound to be at least several errors where your brain just shuts off or you just screw something up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- Bohemian is like I put Bohemian and like it's almost like it's got like that weird stairway to heaven kind of kind of oh, category sure. where it's like if you have the balls if you if you are brazen enough to even try to cover this you better friggin do it right or people are going to crucify you they're gonna eat you alive yeah is this the real life is this just fantasy caught in a landslide no escape from reality think when Joel actually it was his idea to cover it I kind of knew how to play it because we had done it in choir in high school and I learned how to play Mm -hmm. the piano part um which isn't 
all that technical. There's just a lot to it. I mean, if you think about the whole song, there's a ton to it. And then when you try to arrange it for four-part vocals, there's like, you know, yeah, exactly. You, and you know that going into it. And this actually, the video that you see online was, was uh, we learned the song like three weeks before that. And Joel said, hey, what do you guys think about learning Bohemian Rhapsody, blah, blah, blah. And I think we were all a little like naive. We're like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. It's only three weeks away. And so... Um, Zach arranged all the harmonies. He he listened to the to the recording of Bohemian Rhapsody and actually notated it. And we went to the piano like it was like a choir rehearsal. And we all we spent like a week just <laughs> sussing out the harmonies. And then we started to play. And they said, "Okay, let's do the rock band part. Let's try to make it through the song without singing. And now let's combine them." And the first time we ever successfully made it through the song without a train wreck was the night before at like a corporate uh. event we did. The night before our CD release, the first time we ever made it through without like without a train wreck. And then. Which was, by the way, the first time we ever performed it. I mean, the train wrecks were during rehearsals. And then the next night, it was our encore for our CD release show to, you know, about 600 of our our hometown fans. Granted, it's going to be a pretty nice um, <laughs> sort of welcoming crowd, but it's still Bohemian Rhapsody and you don't want to take a dump on it. Um, yeah. But 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 it was it, it worked out very well and we all sort of embraced the challenge. But that's a tangent as well. Yeah, obviously I can talk a lot. But the point is... Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. probably the hardest song we do in our catalog, whether it's an original or a cover, because you you get to every time you get there, even after two and a half years of doing it, you're like, oh shit, I'm nervous as hell, and I have to lead sing it, uh, so I'm even more nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. I think if Freddie was still with us, he'd probably say, "Yep, that's the toughest song we have too." You know? Right on. Thanks, man. Silhouette of a man Scotta moosh, gotta moosh Will you do the fandango Thunderbolt and lightning Very, very frightening Galileo 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 Magnifico I'm just a poor boy Nobody loves me He's just a poor boy From a poor family Spelling his life From his monsters of tea Easy come, easy go Will you let me go? Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. The eyes above has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. This isn't right of me to ask you, but I'm so curious about it. This is more Joel's story, but I know in the Ted performance, Ted, uh, Ted, uh, Joel mentioned that, um, he was, he flippantly threw it out there. At one point, I was supposed to be a missionary, and here I am playing rock music. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you know that background story? That really fascinated me. I wanted to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, and we don't yeah. have to keep we don't have to keep this in the podcast if it's no, nobody's business. I don't, I don't, but well, I mean, I can tell you that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a, a, you know the honest version of the story, and I and Joel's fine with that. He's not he's not secretive with that in the slightest. I, just, uh, I mean, okay. Well, I, I mean, can't, he announced it at a show. I figured he'd be all right. Yeah, I don't I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to misquote him. But basically, he you know he grew up in a very strict. Uh, um, religious sort of Jehovah's Witness, well, not sort of, very Jehovah's Witness um, 
household. Um, okay. And, you know, growing up, he, he started to, you know, get into music. He's always into music, but he started to play, I think, when he was like 11 or 12 years old and was immediately playing in rock bands. Um, and, you know, you can just imagine that it's probably, you know, you think about like, what is signified by rock and roll and, or, and, you know, I mean, he was listening to stuff like, um, Pearl Jam and Pink Floyd and, uh, you know, hmm. stuff like that. So it, it wasn't exactly light stuff. It was probably, you know, it, it probably wasn't highly encouraged. Let's put it that way. Um, so I can, I can imagine that, uh, you know, I didn't know Joel back in those days, but I can imagine that, uh, that was, that was, a, uh, quite a bit challenging and maybe not exactly something that they all, sort of wanted for him but he is an interesting background sure. too because you know he's uh he's um he's he's one of the one of the best guys you'll ever meet as far as just somebody who you know comes through on his on his word and his obligations and um so it's just an interesting story and, and obviously you know you have to talk to him about the specifics of it but um it's an interesting background love to be to. somebody who who is in a comes from a really a strict sort of this is the way that it is sort of thing and that's just another song which you should go back and listen to again which it takes a while to sort of catch on to it as, at least it did for me but um it's called you will know my name and it's one of his songs when i was a child in my parents house we were trained disciples and so devout but the final goal of the god they praised you will know my name I went to school, learned to stand in line, learned to raise my hand, speak my mind, took a chorus roll in the greater flame, memorizing listen very carefully to the lyrics because one of the fears of that was people well what are people going to think that you're just writing this song about like i'm going to be famous sort of thing but that's not really what the song's about it's you know it's about his uh his journey through that and sort of the the paradox of like you know you you in a lot of sort of strict religious backgrounds you sort of learn to um kind of fall in line and you mm-hmm. mem- you memorize all these names of all these famous people, but you're not supposed. To, they don't teach you. You're supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be just a disciple and a follower. Yet, th- why why do they idolize all of these people if that's not what we're supposed to be? Basically, he's sort of picking apart. I think some of his own uh, observations of some hypocrisy that's involved there. But again, 
you know, that's 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 my own interpretation of it, you know. Thanks so much, dude. I really appreciate. It. I'm, I'm sorry we had to chase each other down for so long, but no worries. This has been uh, this has been cool. Thanks for your you time. You bet. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.